0: Welcome back to The Ball, episode number nine. We're finally back after a long, very, very long international break. Brian, how are you doing after that long international break?
1: You know, it was restful, but it's left us a lot to talk about here today.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, We had a few more COVID restrictions slapped on us, but that's not going to stop the ball. Obviously, we take the proper health uh, precautions and we keep going. Nothing can stop the ball. We just keep going. Now, I want to jump into this. You're at your favorite sandwich place, and you're ordering a sandwich. Maybe you throw some bacon in there, some lettuce, a little bit of ham. I don't know, some turkey. Arguably, the most important part of your sandwich is going to be the bread. Now you can have some fancy toppings in the middle of there. Maybe throw in some mustard, um, some honey mustard. Maybe a little, a little. Maybe it's a Friday. You get the honey mustard on there instead of just the regular mustard. And you're going to have to throw some bread on there at some point to give your sandwich a bit of form, a little bit of stability, and a little bit of seriousness. You don't want to be walking around with a, with a sandwich with no bread. I mean, maybe some of you do, but come on. Let's throw some bread on that sandwich.
1: We don't watch our carbs here at the ball.
0: No, 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 not at all, not at all. Now, that's exactly what Hoiberg Wars was for Tottenham versus Manchester City. What we saw that game was Hoiberg giving Tottenham that stability, the seriousness in the midfield, you know, giving them that form. He was the bread in that whole recipe. I think we saw the best manager in the league with one of his strongest lineups and his strongest players, and they executed. Now, Mourinho, if you've been following his career, there's always that one Mourinho-type player. And it's usually a guy in the midfield who's strong, can break up the attack, and also spring the attack forward once there's a good uh, defensive stop. At Mourinho's first stint with Chelsea, that was Michelele. Now, that guy went on to be so prolific, he even had his own role named after him, the Michelele role. At Madrid, he had a combination of two players, Kadira and Alonso. Now, that gives you some strong strength. And obviously, who can ping the ball better than a Chavi Alonso just spraying the ball left and right? At Tottenham, I think he found that guy. I think that guy appears to be Hoyberg. He allows Mourinho to play a nice and effective defensive game. And he can slip into that back line there and becomes a back line of five or even a back line of six sometimes when an, another midfielder drops in there, giving them some great stability. And it just asks the question to these teams who like to play intricate football like City. Can you break a Mourinho team down with Harry Kane and Heung-Ming waiting there for a counterattack? I don't know. Manchester City wasn't able to do that this past weekend. Now, in this Manchester City and Tottenham game, Oierberg had five tackles. He led the game, he was clogging up all the passing lanes, and he allowed for the transition goals. That was sun Hyo Ming and also the Celso. They both scored on the counter, 2-0, 3 points. Now, Harry Kane also was in amazing, sh- amazing, amazing form. I was watching this game, and Brian, what did I text you as I was watching this game? Kane's the best player in the world. That's exactly how I feel. I texted Brian. I said, Brian, look, I think I'm watching the best player in the world. This guy has 8 goals, 11 assists. He's bossing it up there. He's a strong runner. There was a point in that game. Harry Kane picked up the ball around his own eighteen and just started sprinting like like he was like he was Neymar or something. This guy is surprising me every time I watch him and it's just it's become, it's fantastic to watch. It's it really is fantastic to watch. Now an also interesting stat. Uh City had seventy six shots. And Tottenham had 10 shots in the past three games that these two teams have played. Now, that speaks a lot to how Mourinho sets up his teams and also speaks a lot to the opposition. If you're going against City, obviously a very attack-minded team, they're going to get their shots off. They're going to get their shots off. But, obviously, they've lost the past the last two times they've played each other. So, that's two, two up to Mourinho. City had 66% possession. Um, They only had 13 tackles to Tottenham's 25. And I think they just weren't good enough on the day. They just weren't good enough on the day. Now, speaking a bit on Hoiberg's involvement in this game, you need to look a little bit at the formation and how that played out during the game. Now... If you look at Tottenham, the way they came out, they came out in a 4-2-3-1 with, obviously, Harry Kane, the best player in the world, leading the line. And right in front of the back line, you've got Sissoko and Hoiberg there. Now, those two players were very instrumental in this win and also in how they set up both defensively and in the attack. So, on paper, you'd have Aurier Aldevaro's Eric Dier and Reguilon just flat back four. But what actually ended up happening was Hoiberg would slip in between there, between Reguilon and Eric Dier, and Sissoko sometimes would also help out Aurier there, and also Alderweireld, so at times, they were playing six in the back, which you can afford to get away with that if you've got players like Song humain up there, and also Harry Kane, and Ndombele is a very strong, although he's an attackman midfielder, he's also pretty strong and he's got some physique to him so it all played perfectly with how a Mourinho team likes to play football and how they like to defend and also how they like to attack and it was good to see it was good to see that was just the first lineup or sorry that was just the first game that was a really good game to watch all these games happened perfect timing as well it was like a 9 30 and 11 30. And the 11.30 game is Liverpool and Leicester City. And what better way f- for us to analyze that game than ask a Liverpool fan who just so happens to be uh, socially distanced in the studio right now. Brian, can, what can you tell us about this game?
1: Well, I think that these two featured games on the weekend were very telling. Uh, you know, Tottenham really shined um, behind Hoberg's performance. But now we got look at Liverpool and Leicester and we had another dominating performance. This time for the Reds. Uh, You know, Salah was out along with a number of our stars. You know, Van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Thiago were all out due to injury or COVID precautions. But that didn't slow Liverpool down. They had dominated from the start in terms of uh, opportunities, in terms of shots. We had both Jota and Firmino get on the score sheet and Leicester really did not threaten our uh, Liverpool's goal at all throughout the entirety of the match.
0: Now looking at how Liverpool came out so you guys came out in a 4-3-3 right that's a typical formation for you right? Okay so with with Salah out Salah picked up uh, COVID during the international break how do you think that shifted um I guess, the men, or your expectations of their front three. When you see this front three with Jota instead of Salah, are you thinking maybe we might not score as many goals, or are you just comfortable seeing that?
1: Well, anytime a player of Salah's caliber goes out, you know, you're worried. You know, he's been among the world leaders in goals over the past two or three seasons, but Jota has clearly proven himself to be a goal scorer, having scored you know, in Champions League four goals in four games, and producing the same level of efficiency he here in the Premier League. Um, you know, his movement off the ball was tremendous throughout the game, um, which was highlighted by his goal off a lovely cross from Andrew Robertson, who might have been the best player on the pitch.
0: That's true. That, that'll, that brings me to my next question for you. Now, I was watching this game and I had my eyes on the bottom of the screen, and I just kept seeing some guy 80-yard sprint after 80-yard sprint. I'm like, who is this man? You know, and I I look down. It's 26. I see Robertson. I'm like, wow. And this went on for the whole game, right? And then I see him give out an assist with a lovely place ball. And I'm thinking to myself, is this is this the best left back in the world? You know me. As soon as I see a quality player, I start thinking, is there anyone else that's better than him? No. How do you feel as a Liverpool fan knowing that you've got arguably one of the best left backs in the league and in the world?
1: It's without question he has to be in the conversation. And he's one of my favorite players on the team. He an engine that just does not stop. He's a, he's a real Toyota in terms of the soccer players. He just never gives out. Um, in terms of other left backs of his caliber, you have to think of Alfonso Davies at Bayern, who really showed himself um, across the Champions League last year as they roast the champions. Um, and there's plenty of others. You know, I think in terms of heart, in terms of effort, in terms of just straight determination, nobody outclasses Robertson. And he's just as good on the cross as anybody out there.
0: And that's exactly what I saw on Sunday when I saw this game. Liverpool 3-0. Now second in the league. Only behind, would you guess, Tottenham Hotspur. Which leads us perfectly into this week's Writer's Corner. Now this week's article in the Writer's Corner, we're going to be looking at an article by Charlie Ecliche. Uh He's a writer for The Athletic. And the article is called, This is Getting Serious. It's highlighting Tottenham's win versus City. And making the case that this Tottenham team is serious about this title contention and this is looking like a new team and it might be a special team. Now, this most recent result was nothing new in terms of numbers, right? Spurs beat City 2-0, the same scoreline, nine months ago. But the last time felt like an like a upset. It felt like Tottenham was punching above their weight. And let's be honest, in that game, there was a red card City picked up. And also Gundogan missed an open chance, which he sh- probably should have converted. This time, however, it felt like it was planned. It felt like it was intentional. It felt like there was a game plan. There was a counter-attacking plan Mourinho put in. That was all so similar to Mourinho's first stint at Chelsea. And he won the league twice with that team. Playing the same defensive tactics, but with a lethal counter-attack. Now, only five players who started nine months ago in this Tottenham team started this time. Um, some notable changes were Reguilon starting at left-back, and he's been amazing so far. Eric Dyer and Alderweireld made 15 clearances in six blocks. Serge Aurier has found some new form, and who hasn't proved better than Serge Aurier under Jose Mourinho? It's, uh, it's pretty impressive what
1: Aurier has been able to do. He locked up Torres throughout the entire game.
0: I didn't even realize he was playing Torres. You know, he, he, he really took care of him nicely. And again, Weiberg, the bread of the sandwich. He has helped shape the Mourinho identity that was needed in a Mourinho team. And this past weekend was the first time since January nineteen eighty five that Tottenham had finished top of the league after nine games. And you know, I think this is getting serious. I like I, I like to say this this is this is getting serious. And they have Chelsea this weekend, I think. Uh, Hopefully we get a chance to see Christian Pulisic, one of the best young American soccer players out there, and which also conveniently leads us into another special segment uh, we like to call Across the Pond here at the ball. Now, as Americans begin to develop uh, their presence in road football, uh, we decided would have a special segment. We're going to call it Across the Pond. alright We're going to focus on American players and how they're developing and performing across their respective European clubs. Uh, we're going to have uh, our senior analytics director, Brian, lead this segment because he happens to be an American, and we feel he's going to be the best uh, man for the position. What do you think about that, Brian? Hey, I'm ready to do it. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Tell me what's 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 going on across the park.
1: Well, with the U.S. men's national team, there's a lot of exciting things going on. You know, it it's all up from um, the 2018 disappointment where they didn't qualify for the World Cup, but I think there's really are some serious strides coming in right now. Um, you know, with a number of different players, young, talented players coming across into Europe and playing at these top-level games, it's really impressive. And as... You know the season progresses we're going to continue to look at some of these players and see how they're doing um, in the, the league setting but after this uh, after this hiatus you know with the international break we had an opportunity to watch a couple friendlies and see how these young players would do hmm and you know I'd like to start with the roster you know there's a couple interesting things about this roster the okay. first being no uh, MLS players made the US Men's National Team roster it was composed entirely of players from Europe and one player who plays in the Brazilian League which I don't know I don't think I've ever heard of a team international team (laughs) not having any domestic league players
0: that's true that's a good point
1: The other interesting stat about this roster was how young the team is. The average age of the players on this roster was 21 years and 300 days. With the oldest player, the elder statesman being John Brooks at only 27. So this team's full of youth, full of talent, and there's really no reason to believe that they're going to get worse. They're they're only going to grow from here, which is exciting.
0: Which players do you think Americans should be? If you could pick two players. Which players should Americans be uh, most excited about? May I have three? Okay, give it. Give me three.
1: So I'm gonna start with first is uh, making his first cap this week uh, during these friendlies was Yunus Musa, who you may not have heard of yet, but he's a 17-year-old player who came up through the Arsenal academy and is now playing at Valencia. But the interesting thing about him is he has options. He's a quadric. Um, I don't even know what the right word is. But he has citizenship in four different countries. Wow. So he can choose to play between Ghana, England, Italy, and the United States. And he had his first um, opportunity to check out the United States and see if he's interested over the weekend, where he got the start across both friendlies against Wales and Panama.
0: Okay, so we've got... What was his name again? Yunus
1: Musa. Yunus Musa. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but... Okay. His game spoke for himself.
0: Okay, Yunus Musa. We've got Yunus Musa. Who else are we looking out for? Who are we most excited about?
1: think it's got to be Gio Reyna
0: Gio Reyna okay
1: uh, again another teenager coming out playing for Berisha, and he's really taking a starring role across that front line of Barisha. and you know he's he's the player of the future here at the United States okay. and I think the third one you already everyone knows about Christian Pulisic so I'll leave oh. him out
0: you know you already know me I love Christian Pulisic
1: so I'll speak to uh, Sergio Dest at Barcelona okay. who scored his first goal um, with the Spanish side this week in the Champions League. And, you know, he's 20 years old. He's a solid, solid outside back. He's got pace. He's got, cra- he's crafty. And he's only going to continue to get better.
0: The U.S. producing some very, very skillful and productive players. i um, excited to see what this national team looks like in the next World Cup and the next one.
1: Yeah, I don't think uh, this team's going to be prepared to compete at the highest level at this next World Cup. But six years from now, Who knows what the team's going to look like.
0: Exciting times. Exciting times. That's across the pond. It's now time for the Ball's Paw Rankings. Coming in at number five, we've got Leicester City. Now, they looked just simply outclassed against Liverpool, but that's Liverpool. You can't really knock them too much. Vardy doesn't look as dangerous right now. He is coming off a calf injury, so let's give him some time, see if he can get that off and start it up. They're only two points off the top. Um, so, you know, not too bad of a start for the Leicester City. But uh, this past weekend kind of shook me up a little bit. And they've got Fulham up next to give them some free points. So you can't really complain about that. So that's that's number five. Coming in at number four, we've got Southampton. They're only three points off the top. They haven't lost in the last five games. They ran into some problems getting some goals this weekend. But lots of pressure is going to be put on their defense. So... If they're going to stay up there in the top top of the table, they're going to have to really get that defense lined up and um, see if they can last. Once you once you stay up there and the season gets going, your defense can get exposed or stay strong and you end up winning a couple trophies. Now, number three, making their highest ball ranking so far, is Chelsea. I think the Germans are stir- finally starting to learn the pace. It took them a little bit, Kai Havertz and, and Timo Werner, now they're starting to learn the league. Um, expect them to start scoring a bit more goals, getting a bit more involved in the offense. And they're third in the league right now. Silva is looking good. And we should have expected this from a team that made a couple of signings over the summer break. Give them a couple of weeks for them to start meshing. And Pulisic is also coming back. So don't forget about him. Once he comes back, they have a chance to make a serious title run. Now, number two. Liverpool. They just keep getting results. Whoever, whoever is injured on that team, they always seem to find a way to overcome it. They're showing some great depth. They just know how to win, and they're second in the league,
1: behind number one. Well, t- tied for first. I'd, I'd like to point out they both are at twenty tied, points.
0: Tied for first. Tied for first. Let's throw the goal differential in there, and and, and then and then we can say coming in number one is Tottenham. The ball rankings. They're top of the league, with maybe they'll put an asterisk on there. They're top of the league. They've got the hottest player in the league, Harry Kane. They've got the league's top scorer, Huming Sun. And they've also been undefeated in the past five games. I think they are worthy to be called this week's number one top-ranked team in the ballpark rankings. They got the bread. They got the bread. Hoiberg, they got the bread. Thanks for tuning in to The Ball, airing every Wednesday on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. Let's get the ball rolling. See you next week.